From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondras, Rob Kroon, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Ducks House studio. Did you fall down? Yup, yup. Little struggle over here. Are you getting used to that mic being so close to your mouth? Yeah, I know. I almost want to eat it. Every time I try to take a drink of water, I'm shoving it down my throat almost. <laughs> you remember you remember something when you were a kid, if you ever got on the microphone, you like you put it right up to your mouth, you know. Yeah, you, just, right. you tried to eat a mic when you were a yeah. kid. Yeah, well, you, you'd be doing the school play or something or the uh, whatever they call it. Somebody got the mic and they just slobbing all over it and they're going to hand it over to you, you know. Uh, no, no. I just, I just say, uh, Merry Christmas. That's my part. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, you know, you know, talking about the kids play. I saw one. I can't remember if it was online or if I was watching funniest America's funniest on videos with the kids one night. Uh, but anyway, something that caught my eye. I usually don't even really pay attention to when the TV's on, um, except for what it's on. I'm not gonna let my kids just watch anything, but. The thing that popped up was this kid in this play, and he was dressed up as a dinosaur. Well, mm-hmm. he took the dinosaur tail, and he brought it through his legs and poked it out. Oh, yeah, that's probably my was, kid. He was swinging it. He was thrusting it back and forth. Mm-hmm. It didn't look good in front of that the, the, the big crowd that was there. No, no, no. I mean, they was tickled, though. Kids are innocent. Kids are innocent sometimes, you know. You go, it's when you're an adult, you go to jail for that. All right, y'all, y'all. So tell me what's been happening the past few days. I know you've been hog trapping a lot. Yeah, we've been rolling in some hogs lately. We've been doing a lot of land management. Been trying to do my part anyway, but oh, uh, we kind of got a good many hogs. Uh, I'm gonna say we probably in the let's see for last month probably fifty, sixty hogs off. About two properties, so it's been pretty good with that. Wear me out. What is, when is the absolute best time to trap hogs? In the spring? Uh, for me, I like I like when everything's dead. Uh, you know, when like when the food sources there's not a whole lot of it. It's just oh, you know yeah. they just come. Yeah, that's kind of when I like it. But now. If you go back to my numbers now, this this time of the year, the August September, uh, right before the acorns fall, any time like that, you know, kind of like the crops are getting, the crops are being taken, but also the acorns hadn't fallen, so that you got that, you, you're just 
you're adding that food source, and, man, they just come on in. Like I said, I'm watching a spot right now that's got about 20. And uh, I probably should have caught last night, but the, I think the wearing down part on is catching up. I'm sleeping a lot harder. I'm not hearing those notifications go off. Uh, lately, it's been like I've been catching about the fourth or fifth notification uh, before I hear it ding. So I'm sleeping. I think, I think it's catching up with me, so I probably need to get you a little bit of rest maybe the next. Uh, actually, this weekend, my girl will take me down to Panama and will give me one of them. Some full body massages. I ain't never had one then. So I told her, she was asking me, she's like, you all right with a woman, uh, you know, massaging on me? I said, well, I don't know. I ain't never had one. So and, uh, I was like, no woman, period, <laughs> let alone a masseuse. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's like, she said, well, you know, I just want to make sure you're going to be comfortable with that. I was like, I'll be comfortable. I said, but, uh, you know, my buddy said that when they get to pushing around on you, you know, you kind of might get gassy. They push that gas around on you. <laughs> so now I got her worried. She don't even want to be in the same room with me now. I think she was worried about other reasons. Here I am talking about, you know, pushing the gas around in the massage parlor. So I don't know. We're gonna, that's going to be an experience. So I know we jumped off on that, but, uh, you know, that's kind of you know, relaxation part of You get in a serious relationship. I'm not saying that you are right now. But if if you do get into a serious, state, let's say you're engaged. Yeah. Oh, I'm serious. If a girl what, date me, I'm serious. <laughs> I'll be trying to play. <laughs> what? Who would you want to massage you though? Would you want a girl? I mean, you're. You, I'm talking about when you you're all in those feelings of love, love, love. Yeah. You know, you you don't want to hurt her feelings. You don't want to make her jealous. Do Do you get the guy just to just save the relationship or do you go with the girl because you don't want any man rubbing mm -hmm. on you yeah I ain't, man i don't even let me and my boy we fight over the console in the trunk we don't even want to touch each other's arms and he's my kids so i don't want no <laughs> dude rub me down <laughs> you know you be in the movie theater like you sit next to someone stranger and you just like you know you touch elbows and like and then both of you just move and like the whole console just you know the side rest nobody uses it yeah, I didn't, ask, I didn't ask for the massage. She wanted to set it up for my birthday coming up, so you know I'm going with the game plan. You know, but at least she did ask me how I felt about it. You know, and I mean I, I don't know. I go to the chiropractor and feel funny, so this, this will be a new experience. We'll see. But my feet hurt all the time, and that's the main thing. They said they're gonna try to get me back, make my feet feel good because they they always feel like I got a hundred pounds of bricks just pushing me down in my boots. You know, but. We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I'm serious in my relationship. I don't know how serious she is. She'd be laughing at me all the time. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. When we get in that room, they we say, get in that room. They, get to... they say that you come out of there feeling like a different man after yeah. a, a really good massage. Right. Well, I'm going to be straight over with you. I just want to feel like a man. <laughs> I ain't very big. So I, I just want to feel like a man when I come out of that. They say I've changed your voice. I mean, seriously, yeah. that's how good it is. Wow. Well, a lot of people say I got an annoying voice, so maybe that maybe might, <laughs> it might help me out. Then again, it might get worse. I don't know. <laughs> hey, you, so, so you've grown to the point now where you really have haters. That, that's Ooh. a great topic to bring up. But before we do, let me say this. Josh Raggio, the call maker, part two, is coming up in just a minute. Josh and I talked at length about basic foundational principles, um, that that he learned when he was younger, and how sports, you know, played a part in That's who right. he is today. It's very really good podcast. But all right, so y'all y'all, you're at the point that you have haters. 
what give me oh, a yeah. list. What's the what's the top three things that people complain or don't like you for? That's what they say they don't like you for. It's really and truly it's all out of jealousy at the end of the day. Yeah. I guess I mean most of it's just being an idiot, I guess, but my stuff has changed from when I first started because I was just being an idiot to begin with. It was just, I mean, it's still fun, but like it was just, we're just having fun. We're just doing some silly videos, and then it becomes to where like people really wanted to follow you, and then there's like real friendship fans, you know. But most of the people that that I get is whether you're just an idiot, you're a dumb redneck, or they're hating on me because I, you know, I thump stuff over the head, you know, when it comes to hogs and deer and turkey and stuff like that. They hate on that kind of stuff, and. Uh, you know, I gained a lot of followers off of, off a of dating video, and a lot of those people that love that video, and they come in there and follow, but they didn't do a background check to really go back and say, oh, this dude's a hunter. And you get a lot of these people in there that just like your funny videos, but they don't like that you hunt or you, you know, thump hogs over the head or whatever, and then all of a sudden they hate on you. And, you know, but, but I, like I made a tweet one time, you know, when they asked about what my haters, I said, well, uh, for my haters, all I can say is, you know, I told, I told the Bible, and my girl can throw hands. So it's up to you to figure out which one you want to be touched by. You know, so I send my, I send my girl on to <laughs> make it too fast. That's a, and, that, and I was going to ask you that when you, when you finished up. I, I figured that you had just some regular everyday followers come. You know, when you get a video that, that reaches that number, you have a – lot of regular yeah. everyday people that start following you that don't that are liberal leaning and i bet they freak out when they really find out who you are yeah it, it, it's like i said i don't you know it's just sometimes it just gets to where like me i want everybody to get along but if you come there and you see a video a funny video like i really like this guy sometimes you still got to do your background check because i'm there it's kind of this started off as a hunting page or a trapping you know it started into that hunting era and it just grew into everyday life with me. You know, I didn't used to do everyday life with me. Now it's everyday life, whether it be my kids, the work, uh, the relationship that I'm in, uh, you know, sports, whatever, whatever's going on. It's everyday life, and people people want to follow that. But then every now and again, you get like like today, I had hate. You know, they were mad because I showed a truckload full of hogs. You know, and I, you know, I'm just like read the headline. I said it ain't pretty. It ain't always pretty, and it ain't. But just because you showed up. Just because you showed up looking for a funny video don't mean that's going to change the fact of what I do for a living or a side job or hobby or, or you know, or stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, I hate it for them. I get people report me, you know, all the time. But uh, it is what it is. I just ask Facebook to forgive me and I'll do it again. <laughs> you know, that's the best I can do. But... You know, the thing about it is, one thing I notice about those videos is you take a lot of time during that live video to just like a southern gentleman to speak to everybody that shows up majority of the people when they come in i, I bet you spend 50 percent of your video telling a story in your live videos and then 50 percent of the time speaking to the people as they come in the door that's I don't right know how you do I mean, that. and keep concentration <laughs> it's, it's rough but i do always try to go back and at least talk to them because i mean these people come to you you know and it's, and it's humbling i mean i mean it is humbling when people say when they message you like man i appreciate you hitting the like button or i appreciate you uh comment back and i'm like well i'm just i mean that's what you're supposed to do social media is about social media engagement you know now granted i have a lot on my social media, I do have a lot of friends. I add a lot of friends and people to it. Now, they're not necessarily all just friend friends. 
so I don't get to see everybody else's. But when I'm scrolling through Facebook, I'm hitting the like button about everything I can. It's my friends because that's what they want as well as I want, you know, as well. It's about engagement. But you get a lot of people, they just they just watching you, see what your next move is. They don't hit the like button. They don't hit a comment, you know, and then I'll see them in the street. They'll be like, yeah, I've seen that video, you know, and I'm like, Sure, it's about social media engagement. Hit that like button. <laughs> one day that might get me paid. <laughs> it's like, folks, I'm one like away from making a million. That's <laughs> what they say. Always vote. Always vote. Make a difference. Uh, hit the like button, man. Uh, I, but the thing that just baffles me is you remember these details about these people. Hey, little Larry, like that new haircut you got. Jim, that's right. That's a big old fish. Yeah. <laughs> then you're back into the story, and then about that's, twenty seconds later, Ricky. That's <laughs> right. Good. And, that's a nice that's, new truck you got. That's right. And I remember these people because a lot of times they send me a message, and it's always like I met a guy and I cannot remember his name on the beach. We were down after the World Series, uh, for Little League World Series for my kid, and we're sitting out there, and I'm shooting a video, chest deep in the water, holding my phone tight as I can, shooting a video, and I ended with a gobble, and all of a sudden this guy says. Yo, yo! He just hollered from the beach. I call him Crappie Hunter because that's what I remember. I don't, I think, well, I'll take that back. I think his name is John Bass, but I called him Crappie Hunter forever because that's John all he Bass. talked about. Yeah, that's right. I think that's his name. I might be wrong, but if he hears this, then I'm sorry, but I called him Crappie Hunter because he had always messaged me about coming up to Tennessee and crappie fishing. Well, so when these people message me, I, I try, I'll never remember names all the time. But I'll remember something about a detail about a message. Uh, if they say, "Hey, man, I'm you know, I'm I'm John Smith, and and I'm the one to ask you to come turkey hunting," and and I'll remember something maybe about a you know the, the name of the town or something. But that's how I remember them. So when they come across that news feed and they say something, I remember that. And I want to call them out because I want them to remember. I'm trying my best to relate to every single person. I'm not. I don't have a social media person that answers my questions or hits the like button or you know. I hardly ever have a random, what do you call that, like a quick text. Like when you, when you send a message, just a quick text comes up, lets you know we'll get to you when we can. No, that ain't me. I try to relate to everybody as much as I can. Now, it's grown. It's grown to the point that I can't keep up anymore. So instead of keeping up with 700 comments, it's, it's like 1,600 comments. So I try to get in there and just as much as I can randomly. And, uh, you know, it sucks, but at the same time, that's the support growing and it's you know, it's awesome, and I hope one day that turns into a check, you know, and then with a little bit of blessing I do for free, maybe I can help out with, you know, financially somewhere. I don't know. Lord going to bless me somehow or another. I just don't know which. I mean, we bless anyway, but uh, with this social media, financial or whatever, you never know. Something could, something could hit, and next thing you know, you know, I got me a double Y instead of a single Y, baby. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a uh, social media study real quick. And I'll provide proof of this. <clears throat> Rob Kroom, you, and Freddie King. Three very yeah, popular Freddie. people on social media. That's right. I know and the reason, well. that, the reason that I think that y'all are and you stay that way is not only do you interact with your friends, like you're saying, you see something you like, you hit it. You, man, it's, you're not afraid to hit the like button. That's right. And in in return, when people say something on or not in return, but most of the time those people reciprocate. That's right. They reciprocate what you're doing out of respect. That's right. 
But but then That's on the right. other side, then the other thing that I notice about you, Freddie, and Rob is, and I think that this drives a lot of people to y'all, is let's say you post up a video, and Larry, with the new haircut, makes a comment. Well, 80% of the time, y'all are going to say something back to him. That's right. It, it may be one word. It may be thank you, appreciate it, or what you know, whatever it may be. But you, you, yeah, exactly. That's and I right. think that that's what drives a lot of people to you because y'all do. I'm just using y'all three as an example. Y'all interact right. with the people that interact with y'all. That's right, and it's all more. You know, I, I won't ever. I just always try to remember when that first started, like how other social media people couldn't or wouldn't do it. Now, granted, as I see later on, you can't keep up with it. Now, some people just choose not to do it at all, you know, and I hate it for the people that are fans, you know, because I'm a fan of certain people, and, you know, they don't ever, you know, you can go through the comments and look, there's never a, you know, for these higher celebrities, I'm not a celebrity, but for celebrities out there, there's not a like button from that person, or there's not a return comment from that person on a lot of, you know, high-end people, and I think that's what it is, you know, it's just, us three people, like you mentioned, are just relatable. You know, we're doing relatable stuff, and then we interact wholeheartedly. Not just doing it just for because they'll stay here, but we do it wholeheartedly. Hey, I want to talk to you, you know, best I can. I can't keep the conversation going, but I'll do the best I can. You know, yeah. But it's all fun. It's it's fun. It's fun. I like doing it. Like I said, it can wear you down. So I had to back off of it. You know, to the point that where you know I may only do three or four hundred comments. Uh, and that's still high, you know. Uh, out of it takes a while. a while. It does. It, it takes it, a while. I do that at night, you know. Uh, I try to. It takes a while to sit there and, and communicate with people. You know, I try to eat. One of the things that <clears throat> I try to wish everybody a happy birthday, and when they wish me a happy birthday, I always try to go back in there and tell everybody thank you. I'm, I'm not a yeah. uh, one-size-fits-all thank you. I, I don't do that's that. That's right. Crap. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yesterday for all the birthday wishes. You know, most time I don't even see them. I hit that like button when people do that. <laughs> I be like, well, I didn't know it was your birthday to be honest with you. <laughs> I want you to appreciate me. I really like you to appreciate this like though. Happy <laughs> <laughs> birthday! <laughs> oh, yeah. So my birthday is uh tomorrow. Actually, I almost forgot. Oh, my birthday is tomorrow. Come on, forty years old, man. So I'm just I'm asking for everybody to just send me forty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I only got five thousand friends and and a hundred and seventy thousand on on y'all y'all. So I'm just asking for forty dollars and you know, we'll call it even. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. <laughs> so you should have kept that you should have kept that payment link up there that the that the <laughs> Well for them hackers to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. They probably Did anybody did any of the, anybody on that page, did they send that guy any money? Yeah, 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 yeah. They sent some money. I mean, it shows you who sent it. So I, I messaged everybody, and uh, they canceled their debit cards and stuff like Because it comes out of your, like, your iTunes account or somehow or another. But anyway, uh, well, I made it clearly do not. I can't get Facebook to remove it yet. I, I don't know why. So that link's still up, but it's, it's not mine. So if you send any money, it don't go to me. So uh, anyway, I, I called this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't send them. You send it to my PayPal. Message me and send it to my PayPal. That's how we get money. But uh, so I text him and told him, you know, hey, we'll, I'll send you some hats and stuff like that or whatever. You know, I try to clear it up that, hey, you know, 
it didn't go to me, but, you know, I'm going to make it right in a sense. You know, I'll send you, a, you know, a hat or something, you know, but just cancel cancel that. And, you know, it, and it went well. It wasn't a whole lot at first, but it, it really scared me because, you know, uh, I mean, it really it scared me because I don't want anybody to take advantage of because here I am trying to release a web page for this Yacht Yacht gear coming out, you know, merch. And then if everybody's getting, if everybody sends a bunch of money and it, it was because of a hacking, then that's going to make them feel scared to spend money on mine, you know. So I'm like, I had to make it really clear, and it really stressed me out. And a lot of people thought it was a joke. That's so why I try to tell people, this ain't your this ain't your account being hacked where somebody sends a video in your messenger talking about, you know, and then you get hacked. No, this is more serious, and people can't figure that out, you know. But um, anyway, we got it. I think we, I mean, we got it somewhat cleared up. I just got to get that support button off, and then, uh, you know, they were throwing ads, like in my videos. They were throwing ads in my videos, so they were getting the money off that, and, you know, it was serious, and people, you know, it offended. I don't get offended. It made it made me ill that people thought it was funny. You know what I mean? Like my friends, you know, I'm like, this ain't funny. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it could potentially be thousands of dollars just to go to some dude, <laughs> probably a twelve year old. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hack my hack my yacht yacht. You know, but uh, you know, but so anyway, you can add you can add a commercial to videos now. And and be yeah, like, on it like a YouTube. Yeah, it's like they that they put in those like when you're watching those three minute videos, it's got a little ad in there, a little ad break. You get paid. You can get paid off how many ads you you know how many times that's seen, and uh, it can add up. You know if you want to do that. Me personally, we're talking about relating. I haven't added those to my videos yet. Just simply fact, I don't like them. Y'all, y'all, you're big. You, you, you're a big movie guy. You going to see uh, it this weekend? No, I went watch it Angel. Has, no, 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 no. Watching no scary stuff, man. It's stuff <laughs> make you wet the bed, man. Watching no it. All day, all day. I like you. It when we used to play tag in school. So, you it. Watching no it, man. Shit, that stuff make you wet the bed. I'm too grown for that. Well, I guess I keep getting older. I'll be wet the bed for long anyway. But, so <laughs> but was, I am. I watch. So was Angel has fallen. Was it good? Oh yeah, it was action packed. Me and my kid, you know, went and watched it. We go to the. I always go at least once a week, or uh, you know, uh, to watch a new movie or something like that. But I really enjoy it. You know, I, I'm a movie buff. Now, like I said, talking about Hollywood, you know, they can be a little, you know. They get on my nerves with, with stuff they put in there political every now and again, you know, because I don't do politics on, on social media. But, you know, just they're always trying to make a jab at, you know, something. And I don't like that in movies, but you just have to you have to kind of overlook it, you know. Uh, other than that, I'm just a movie buff. I go watch, like I said, I go to movies by myself. Get my, uh, I get my salted pretzel, my Mr. Peel, my chocolate-covered almonds, and uh, just sit back and relax. So, so where does it rank on the <clears throat> has fallen? I guess that's a. I don't even know what it would be. It's White House because it's yeah, London yeah. They done fallen, three of those. Angel has fallen, yeah. and then yeah, I like uh, this. White House like this one a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this one a lot better. Uh, you know, oh, uh, I can't think of his name. The actor, uh, well, he, he's getting older. You could, well, the other actor, the. Uh, the other main dude, not the president dude, but is his name Gerald? Anyway, same guy that played oh, Gladiator. Oh, the black-headed guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, he uh, he's getting older. He's kind of like Rambo. Rambo got one coming out. You know, he's kinda, yeah. Get, you know, he's kind of getting older in age, you know. But uh, maybe one day they'll have me up there to take their place. <laughs> yeah, Last Blood's coming out in two weeks. Yeah. That's right. That's right. They showed the previews again, so I'll be there to watch that. So, anyway, I'm just a movie buff. I like them, man. I like watching the movies. I won't sit at home hard and watch TV, but I'll go to the movies in a minute by myself. Uh, people, I sit right there at the, at the entrance where people walk in. I get a smile at them. <laughs> we had a we had a movie theater here in West Point, Mississippi, uh, back then. There's a laundromat over there now, so <laughs> there ain't no movie theater no more. I can't remember what the I don't know if Jaws three was the first movie yeah. I ever saw or E. T. where I actually went to yeah. the movie theater as a kid and saw it. But those, yeah. one of those two was the first movie that I ever saw in the movie theater. Right, Jaws was first was was probably the first scary movie. I guess my age was able to go to the movies, you know, and watch it. That's that's when I learned, man. You know, I ain't getting on the water. You can't see your feet in. You know, I take the bath water. <laughs> I take the bath water when I get in it, <laughs> and I take showers. Well, the the, the neat. The you know the neat thing about Jaws three it was actually one of the first three D movies to come to a movie theater, and that's yeah. why when you watch yeah. Jaws three on TV it looks so strange because the you know the movie was originally cut in three D, it, it looks mm-hmm. in it looks it looks odd, right? But I remember like I said I remember going to see it in three D in Jaws three D I think that was about eighty three. 82, yeah. 83, somewhere in there. But who would ever think about taking their kids to see Jaws 3 back then? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. My, my boy will be watching all those scary movies, man, and I can't go. Uh, I, I let him go with a friend or something. I ain't watching them scary movies. Like I said, I, he wanted to watch one other night. I was like, for what, man? I ain't going ahead to have my heart. I'm like 40 years old. I have a heart attack, man. Get in there and somebody's jumping out the closet, you know? <laughs> you know, when I grew up, you couldn't leave the closet door open, you know, because you, you didn't heat or cool the closet. Shoot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, left, them, I left them cracked, left them open. Shoot, I wanted to see in there after watching all them movies. Oh, I told I sold my house the other day, and we got them sliding doors to the closet, and uh, they got a kid. And I told them, I said, I said, you hear that right there? I said, when you open that closet, they like, yeah. I said, see, your kid ain't got to be scared. I said, when you lay them down. I said, you ain't got to worry about the boogeyman. You hear him come out. If that, if that door moves and makes that creak, then you know to run out of that bed, you know, or get up on them covers. You can, leave your, you can leave your head. You know why you leave your head out of the covers? But the boogeyman ain't going to eat dessert first. <laughs> why you got to put toes in that? <laughs> Man, the only reason I know about the It movie is that these commercials, they are freaking, you know, they're, they're everywhere right now. So they're freaking oh, yeah. my kids out with that clown. Oh, yeah. That's right. It, they, there's no, there's no uh, edit on any commercials, pretty much now. You know, as far as it's just you sit there and scare your three year old or two year old sitting in the living room off these, uh, you know, these commercials coming up about these movies, these scary movies and stuff. But we watch them all the time. Like I said, my boy, my boy likes to go to the movies. I love going to the movies. Just chilling. I don't care. If, sometimes it ain't even a good movie. I just go for the the environment. Well, y'all. I hope you have a great time in Panama City. I hope your, like I said, I hope your voice doesn't change when you come out of that massage. <laughs> well, we shall see, man. I ain't got much meat, man. They're going to rub me down to the gristle. 
And I and I hope you're not going to Hugh Freeze's massage parlor. No, I'm never leave that alone. I could like to say my girl's hands. I don't know which one she blow. <laughs> I don't know which one she's gonna hit first, so <laughs> I'm gonna stay out of there. All right, y'all. I enjoyed all right, it. Like man. I had a good time. I appreciate time. the time. Appreciate the time. For all the supporters out there, thank you and God bless. Jesus loves you. All right, well, let's get to the call maker with Josh Raggio now. All right, guys, like I told you on the front end of the podcast, the call maker, Mr. Josh Raggio himself is here. Josh, you made it back from Dallas. <laughs> we did. We did, both of us, the truck and the trailer, all in one piece, believe it or not. It was a did, great trip. Did, it was a good did trip. Edward have a good time? I think Edward had a really good time. I mean, I, we both had a good time. We got to experience some really cool stuff. Uh, you know, one going to the game. I'd never been to a professional football game before, and we had some pretty pretty sweet passes. And um, So, you know, Thursday night, we rolled in, I hooked the trailer, and basically left to go straight to the stadium. And uh, so that it started off really, really good. Just you know, getting to getting to do something I've never done before, uh, and then it, man, it just kind of progressed from there. And, uh, great trip. Got quite a few calls made. Uh, got to meet a lot of folks, good folks, and that uh, that love duck hunting and everything that we do. And uh, but yeah, we made it back. Got unpacked and been working in the shop ever since we got back. Is that the first, uh, I'm sure you've probably been to other pro games. Is that the first pro game that you've been to? That's the first professional football game I've been to, to be honest with you. I, I'm a, I'm a diehard college football fan. I, I don't really, uh, I don't really get into professional football. I've never done the fantasy leagues and all that, that type thing. Uh, and I don't really know why, um, but man, I love college. I could, I could watch college football from the time game day starts until midnight, whenever that last West coast game is, you know, ending, but the pro has just never been, uh, just never been my thing. So to go and see it in person, um, might change that. I may watch a little bit of it now, but I've gotten to see it in person. It was a good time. That, that, that stadium is first class, isn't it? Man, a sixty-yard long television. I think that thing was. I think we looked it up. It was like forty million dollars for that, just for the television. And what you see is, if you look around the crowd, nobody's watching the field. Everybody's watching the TV. <laughs> oh man, yeah, the, the stadium is unreal. They, it's first class. Uh, I mean, people walking around and. You know, in suits, everybody's very, very professional. Uh, if you have questions, they're there to help. You spill a drink, there's somebody less than, you know, 30 seconds, somebody's there cleaning it up. Yeah, Jerry's world is, is on a whole nother level, for sure. I've got, I've, got, I've got a dumb question for you. I've never uh, been. Never been ever. How do you avoid, how does a punter avoid kicking or, or punting a ball? And it not hitting that TV. 
you know, Edward and I talked about that as we were watching the punters warm up before the game and kind of at halftime. I, we never saw one actually hit it while they were practicing, but I think I think it has been done. Um, I don't know that for sure, but I, I think some guys have hit it. But I guess it's just high enough that it's not the norm, obviously. Uh, I mean, I would think they considered that when they put a $40 million TV in the stadium. Um, but I'll tell you, they get close. Those NFL punters are un- unreal. <laughs> I mean, if you think about all right, that thing. <clears throat> excuse me, fall cold. But if you think about it, you you said it's sixty yards long, correct? Correct. All right, sixty yards long. How tall is it? So what I'm saying is, it's it can't be that high because you got to make it kind of viewable for for the people that's down low, like where y'all are sitting. And the people kind of up high. So if it's that high and it's 60 yards long, it's got to be, you know, um, half of that size in height, I would think. At least. Uh, So how tall is the stadium? It's set at an angle, too, obviously. So even on the field, I could look up and, and see it very, very clearly. Um, so I'm sure nobody, you know, on the top level has any issues seeing it either. I don't know, man, a lot of engineering and things that I don't understand, but it's a huge place and it is phenomenal. Really neat place to go visit. The the reason I say all this is when you, when I watch punters at at Ole Miss, their, their, their punts are at the top of, you know, when they reach the peak of their height, they're at the top of the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you gotta think, you're telling so me the bottom of the TV is right there. Well, you got to think, too. So when you go into the stadium, I believe you're either on the second or third level. So the, the field uh, is actually below ground level. Oh, uh, okay. So that may obviously has some, something to do with it also. There's the mystery, man. Shaggy. <laughs> It's just like if you go to the Brave Stadium here in Pearl, you know, the field level is, is below uh, ground level. Um, they, well, they did that. So maybe that's maybe we solved it right there. Yeah. You solved the mystery, Shaggy. <laughs> Thanks, Scooby. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you're back. I am glad that you're back and glad to get back to the story. You know, the the wall, which we covered last week, talking about the, the call shop and where everybody signs. It was, it was a great opening podcast. Very good numbers. Cool. It was fun to talk about. I got a ton of messages about about it and about people wanting to, you know, come visit and, and see it and sign it themselves. Uh I guess it was kind of a, I didn't ever mean it, mean it to be a secret, but I guess I just hadn't really ever put it out there until, you know, I wrote the blog and then we talked about it last week. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I got a lot of very positive feedback from it, uh, saying, you know, just kind of how cool the idea was and, you know, people wanted to come be a part of it. So I told them to come on, just make sure I'm here. <laughs> We're going to fill it up. 
this whole shop's probably going to have a signature on it. Sometime or another. <laughs> yeah. I still got to get your sign that I promised you, though. Yeah, I promised you, you a sign. I've, I've got to get that sign. That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch. Don't touch the band. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The show. So tell, Get, you want me to just tell everybody? All right. So, when All right, I, so when I, let, let me say, let me say from a per- personal perspective of where that came from. So I was down there with Josh making a call last year, and he's like, "Don't touch the van." <laughs> and so, but don't touch the van as a story behind it. it <laughs> excuse me, it does. So when I turn a barrel. Um, you know, I turn it, sand it, put a finish on it, polish it, and then I polish the band. Well, when you, after you polish the band, it's obviously, you know, very shiny. Well, the oils, the oil in your fingers on brass and, you know, copper or any type of metal, basically, you know, will will varnish it or, uh, you know, kind of give it that look and, really right after I polish it, it'll leave a fingerprint on it. And so, but it's everybody's tendency to walk in and instead of grabbing the call by, you know, by a part of the piece of the wood, they always grab the band. <laughs> and Edward does it every time he walks in my, Edward and my mom. And I don't know what it is about women, but they always have a tendency to take their fingernail and just try to kind of scratch and maybe just kind of see if it's smooth. I don't know why they do that, but my mom does that. It drives me crazy. And But Edward will come in, and he grabs the band every time, and I yell at him every time. So finally he said, I'm getting shirts made that say, don't touch the band. <laughs> and so then you came in and did it, and now it's just become a joke now. So I'm sure everybody that comes now will grab a band, and it's fine. I can repolish them, but. Yeah, that's where it came from. Once I get those things polished, man, I try to keep them shiny until I mail them out, <laughs> and then let time do the work. You know, they're gonna be, they're gonna get dull, and they're gonna get a really cool patina on them. But I like them to to be shiny when they leave. So yeah, that's the story behind "Don't Touch the Band." What's uh, your your mom used to come in and touch them all, right? Golly. Yeah, and then she'd run that fingernail, you know, down the down the call like she was trying to find an imperfection, you know. <laughs> why are Why are you doing that? And she didn't really she didn't realize she's doing it. It was just habit, you know, just grabbing something that's you know smooth like that, running your fingernail on it. I guess trying to trying to just check me, make sure I'm doing my job right. I don't know why she does that. Well, it's kind of funny you bring. Well, we're we're Talking about your mom, but I want to spend some day, some time today talking about your mom and dad. Because to me, and I say it every time we do one of these stories, who you are today is what they instilled in you years ago. Foundational principles. People get sick of probably hearing me say those two words. Foundational yeah. principles. Yeah. But what do you see in yourself? What What is important to you as a business well, person, as a father, 
as a husband that you see in your mom and dad? What do you what do you hope somebody sees in you? If they were to write a description, the old you know, write a paragraph about Josh Reggio. What are the things that you hope that people would say that you see in yourself? You hope that others do. Uh, there's a few words I guess that come to mind. One of them is is genuine. Uh, you know, what you see is what you, what you get. Um, uh, whether I'm um, we're having a very positive uh, conversation or, uh, you know, another type of conversation. It's, it's from the heart and it's genuine and it's the truth. Um, you know, really the, the work ethic, uh, I hope that, you know, when I'm long gone, people say that, that dude was a hard worker. He got after it, you know? Um, and, and I, and I say that, that was, that was learned. I think part of that you're, is, is part of your personality, but I think a lot of it's learned. And, you know, like my dad worked a, you know, he worked a 40 hour job for the state and then we have our cattle farm. So he was uh, typically leaving that job headed down and it's not, wasn't, isn't at our house. So he had a little drive to go do that, get home late. Um, you know, my mom was a school teacher, so she was up early going to school she got home and she always worked a second or third job. Typically hers were at home though. She was, she is very crafty. So she was always into doing something artistically. You know, like pot, she did pottery for a while. She painted for a while. Um, now she sews and does some other type things. Uh, she's actually, you know, the calls that I make for Filson, she sews those bags. Filson sends us that material and she sews those call bags for those uh, still today for me. So I, I so I always saw my parents um, always working, but they were also there for us at the same time. They, we always made it to baseball practice. My sister always made it to dance or whatever she was doing at the time. And they were there and they were visible and supportive, but they worked their tails off to make sure that we had everything that we needed. Um, you know, and I, and I can't leave out. I didn't. I never knew my grandfathers. They all passed away before before I was born. However, I did know uh, very well my great grandmother and my grandmother, uh, both grandmothers, and they lived on the farm. And so I was going down there at a very early age, you know, early, just you know, playing and and you know, having a good time. But as I got older, you know, working and baling hay and feeding cows taking care of chickens and all the things you do on a farm and they never made me do it. Um, but it was just, just what you did. And so they, they were just always working. And so I think part of, part of that was instilled in me because I feel like now I feel like I'm always working. Uh, you know, thinking and working, trying to do things better, trying to provide for my family. Um, so, so I guess to get back, you know, uh, I, I, I want to be known as a genuine person, and I and I and and I hope that's the case. A hard worker and kind. You know, kind and gentle. I guess. You know, some of the strongest men that I know, CEOs, presidents of companies, um, things like that. They're not brash. They're not. Now, some of them are. But those that can relate to people and that are the best bosses and the best um, 
owners of these companies and quite frankly, typically have the most successful companies. There's a gentle kindness to those type men that they can be very stern when they need to be. But there's also an aspect that is very inviting to one. You can talk to guys like that. Uh, You can open up to guys like that. So, I mean, I hope I have an aspect of of that uh, in myself as well. I think part of what I think there's some misconception um, about me because I'm an introvert. And and a lot of people don't know that because I was in sales for so long. And that was a learned skill to usually go into a room or a meeting and, and be able to talk and not be the person that, you know, that you kind of are. Um, so I hope people don't ever think that I'm a jerk or arrogant. Um, and I think sometimes that can, I think shyness, I'm pretty shy. So shyness and, and being introverted can sometimes uh, lead to people thinking, oh, he's, he just, he's just a jerk. And, and I hope that's not the case. You know, so genuine, hardworking, kind, um, and caring person. I mean, I, I don't know what else any, I mean, if, if we were all like that, the world would be pretty awesome. Now, I'm not like that a hundred percent of the time, but I certainly hope I am majority of the time. I, I agree. I think introverts are the most misunderstood people in this world. They don't know, people they don't are. know how to take introverts yeah actually my next blog is going to be about that i'm I'm not uh actually this podcast is going to be probably the most that i've ever opened up you know about myself and my story and quite frankly i guess kind of my life um but i've started writing my next blog uh maybe to let give people a little more insight as to me and who i am as well um, obviously this podcast will be way more in depth, but I don't want that misconception out there. You know, I, I don't comment on Facebook. I make a post, um, but you'll, you'll never see, I, I try to stay as drama free as possible. I hate drama and social media has opened up a whole world of drama, you know, keyboard warriors. And we'll get into a lot of that later in the story, in the, in our, in my story, but you know, I don't get involved in it. And so the common perception today is, oh, he doesn't comment on stuff. <clears throat> he's he's too good. He's too good to comment. Um, you know, and a lot of times it's me not feeling a fire about some debate that's going on or some argument on Facebook that, you know, may be about me or other call makers or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, being an introvert can be tough sometimes. Very misunderstood. Couple of couple of other things. I wasn't going to inter- stop you or interrupt you when you were talking about it. But have you ever met anybody that bailed and put up hay during the summertime that didn't turn out to be a hard worker later on in life? Never have. Now I'll, I'll be honest. I don't want to make it sound like I was throwing square bales because we didn't. We were we did round bales. Um, Man, it doesn't matter. However, however, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. There's, there's, there's an equation to uh, if you've done that in the summer times as a teenager, 
you probably end up being a pretty good employee somewhere or business owner or you know, <laughs> later <whatever>. in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's one of the worst pieces it. of one of the worst pieces of equipment any human can ever work on is a hay baler. Oh yeah. There's nothing in this world that would make a man cuss faster than a hay baler. Yeah. But yeah. I've had my, I've had my fair share. I've had my fair share. But then the other thing that I heard you say when you were talking about it, your artistic side, which I think that you've come to be known for in the call making world. You know, I heard you talking about your mom being kind of artsy and crafty. She is very crafty. Yes. Um, and I don't mean artsy, not an artist. Um, Neither one of us can sit down and you know draw a portrait. That's not what I'm what I'm talking about. Right. It's more of no, 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 the no. way we think. Uh, very detailed. In terms of yeah, very detailed. But in terms of craft, you know, and and using your hands to create something, um, that's how she she is, and it always has been. You know, early on, she she enjoyed it, but early on, it was to you know. She sold all that, so it was helped to bring more money and you know to to support us and the family. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that's probably where you know most of mine came from. Even though I didn't do it at an early age, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do anything like I, I do now. Um, you know, that young at all, I really didn't have any interest in it either. To be honest with you, um, it was cool to watch her do it, but I never thought mm, I want to go you know turn a turn a piece of pottery uh, now i do actually but it never crossed my mind when she was doing it right what is your let me ask you this what what's your first memory since hunting became a major part of your life of course now but what what's your first memory of hunting Ooh, I would say, I can't tell you how old I was. Rocky, my memory is bad. Ramsey Russell can tell you what he ate for breakfast on Tuesday, November 1st, 1972. I don't have that kind of memory, I'll be honest with you. Um, however, I do remember being going on a hunt with my dad. Uh, and I was probably in the 10 or 11 range age range uh at delta national in the green tree and you know we walked in we never had four wheelers we never you know just uh, we just never had it we couldn't afford that type stuff back then but we uh you know we walked in he and i and i remember and this was pre-gps so it was just holes that he knew of from growing up hunting there and i remember having I mean, you know, when you're young, it looks like a million, probably 100 to 200 mallards just fall in the trees on top of us. I mean, they just did it right. It was the first time I'd ever seen it happen like that. Um, I was old enough to know not to move and not to shoot until he said something. But I was on, it was like buck fever. You know, I, I really couldn't move. Um, 
I'm pretty sure that was when I shot my first mallard. And I had ducks swimming around me almost at my feet, you know. Uh, so that's that's probably the first shooting, uh, you know, hunting and shooting memory I have. I do remember going a little bit earlier than that when I would have to put, when I was probably too young, they, they weren't letting me shoot, where I was having to put on, you know, five or six pair of the old baseball striped socks, cotton socks, uh, canvas waders that were too big. And my dad would roll them down and he'd put a braided belt on me and he'd cinch that braided belt up as tight as he could. And I would, and I just remember freezing to death thinking why in the world, you know, cause we were, I mean, we, typically we wouldn't kill much, uh, Delta national. I think, why, what, 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 why am I here? You know, that's, so that was, that was before that other hunt, but that, that green tree hunt was, was the first just real memory I have of ducks falling in the trees and, and kind of getting hooked after that and kind of understanding what it was all about. Well, for call making itself to become such a huge part of your life, there's got to be memories there of, well, let's talk about your dad. As a caller, yeah, because that passion for call making came from your dad because he uh, years ago was don't I don't mean the, a professional caller. He did it on the weekends. Went to calling contest. He did so. <clears throat> You know, he would, if he was at home, he was blowing a duck call a lot. Um, that was the one part of the of duck hunting that he just loved and gravitated towards and was really good at it. Um, he loved seeing those ducks work to a call. And so he got involved in the contest stuff. Um, I think I, I remember uh, for his 40th birthday, my mom you know, bought, uh, paid for a trip to uh, hunt in Stuttgart, and that was the first time he ever went to the world just to see it. But uh, before then, I mean, my, my dad was blowing a duck call every day. So I, I, I was just around it, um, and, and I would tinker with it. Uh, you know, this is, you know, you know, when I was 10, 12 years old, I would tinker with it. But, man, I was into baseball and golf and soccer and football and basketball, you know, everything else at that point. Um, but yeah, he definitely laid that foundation just because I, I, we all had to hear it every day. Uh, he just, he just loved it. And then he started participating and, you know, traveling around the contest. So I started traveling around with him and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to dive off into that, you, that that big part of you traveling around with him at that point, but do you remember yeah. as a kid, um, say after a hunt, Dad, you know, teach me how to blow that call like you. Do you remember that at any yeah, point? I do. I, I remember. I remember the frustration of it. To be honest with you, Rocky, the frustration of not being able to make it sound like he could. Does that make sense? Oh I mean, heck to, yeah! To anybody that that first picks up a duck call, it just doesn't. You don't just pick one up 
and it happens. You know, there's technique to it, which is extremely frustrating, especially as a kid when you're listening to your dad do all this and he makes it look so easy and he's telling you how to do it. And I can tell somebody how to do it all day long. But I, I remember the frustration of thinking, why can I not make that sound? Why does it sound like a kazoo every time I blow it? And it sounds like a duck every time he blows it. Um, so I remember the frustration of it. But then I also remember when it actually started happening. When I started to get a little better sound and a little better sound and a little better sound. Um, and what I was not doing, what he was doing that I wasn't doing was putting in the practice. He was blowing a duck call a lot year round. I'd pick it up every now and then and get pissed off and throw it down and, you know, say, hell with this. And I'll figure it out another day. So, uh, you know, I, I remember some of those lessons and, and the frustrations of it for sure. The, the trend, I think what's going to be interesting is the how that translated into you becoming a call maker. I think that that's going to be an interesting part of the story. It will be because, you know, you got to go through that to get to the point where you're proficient on a duck call to be able to make a duck call. You know, I don't know how you can make a duck call and not be able to blow a duck call. That would be very difficult for me. Um, so, yeah, when we get into that part, it, it, it will definitely show some of those times we had in the house, some of the calling contest, you know, all the way up to how it affects my life today. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be pretty interesting. Before we close this one out, I want to ask you something. Looking back on, because we're talking about those building blocks, but sports, you're very competitive. Oh, yeah. Do you think that playing sports as a kid, um, Helped make you as competitive as you are today. What What do you think that those those sports, playing sports as a kid, did for you now? You ever think about it? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I think part of it, like I was talking about earlier, I think part of it. Certain people are just born competitive, and some certain people aren't. I think sports can add fuel to that flame. I don't care if we're throwing rocks in the driveway or hitting a baseball or golf ball or I, I want to win at everything I do. Um, that's just how I'm programmed. Now, I think sports definitely added to that. Um, obviously, when you're in a competitive situation, uh, then you, know, you want to win. Now, I'll tell you, I think think too it added to the work ethic I, I was a what was I I was an overachiever so I was the kid that was the smallest you know and the skinniest I was fast but I had to outwork everybody to to be in the starting lineup um, there was some natural ability there sure but I had to work my tail off to to be there and to be able to play and start and that, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to get too far, but when I got to college baseball, you talk about a whole another eye-opening experience. 
from a competitive and a work ethic standpoint, um, that was it. That was a wake-up call. And it, it was one of the best things that ever happened in my life or, you know, to me. One, because I probably wouldn't have – I was not – I was a, you know, A-B student, but I hated school. I probably wouldn't have gone to college if I wouldn't have, you know, played baseball. But from the actual competitive and the work ethic standpoint, you know, I played, I played at Meridian Community College in, in here in Mississippi. And I had a coach who is the coach at, at Southern Miss now. And it was run like the military. Uh, we had to live in dorms. So we were all quarantined, basically. We had 10 o'clock curfews. We had to sit in the front of class, no hats. Uh, to miss class, you had to call three or four people, so you might as well just go because it was more of a pain in the butt to miss. Um, practice started at 2 o'clock. Officially, practice started at 2 o'clock. You were expected to be there between 1230 and 1.30 to get at least an hour's worth of early practice in before practice started. Um, and so I think as an 18-, 19-year-old leaving home, that was one of the best things for me. Um, and the one thing I'll never forget, and, and I live by this principle today or this statement, if you're not early, you're late. I cannot stand. There is nothing in this world that, that eats me up more than being late for something. And that was when I learned that. Um, get there early and everything's fine. And so having that coach with that mentality, and instilling that in us at that age, because you're very, you're still very impressionable, impressionable at that age, was huge for me into what I do today. Everything was very structured, and now everything I do is is very structured as well. I'm trying to keep my life organized, you know. Sports was great for me. I even actually talking about punters earlier. I left Meridian and went and, and played in Chicago at a school up there for a year and actually punted and kicked off and played baseball for the school up there. So that was not fun playing baseball in Chicago in snow, but uh, getting to kick a football was pretty fun. And uh, wow, then I never knew that about you. Yeah. 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 So that was, uh, you know, came back and finished at Bellhaven and uh, played there a year and coached the infielders there a year uh, while I finished my degree as a grad assistant. And, um, then it, and then it got real fun. I, I don't know how how much time I got, but you know, Rocky, my dream was to always ride bulls. Always wanted to wow. be a bull rider. Well, that's and, where we're going to stop this week because <laughs> I want to hear about this next week. It's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew you went to Chicago. I, I did. never not heard that part of the story. I did for a year, for a year, and and I, I you know, it's it's it was a life lesson. I, I you know, I'm not I'm not scared to share this. Um, I had been dating a girl for three years at that point, and uh, that was where her family was from, and that's where she wanted to end up. And of course, you know, you think you're you're going to get married, and um, you know, I gave up some really big opportunities to to stay here in the South and play. And ended up up there at a school, and uh, you know, of course, how the story goes, we uh, we we ended up breaking up, and I finished my year there, my commitments uh, to the school and the, and the teams, and came back home, 
And, you know, looking back, probably the, the best thing that ever could have happened. And, uh, yeah, here we are. Can't wait to tell you about bull ride, bull riding and, and then my professional career as a bullfighter. This is this is going to be pretty good. Hey, and and one of your best friends, I hope, is going to be joining us next yeah. week. And I, I think that bringing Brooks in, uh, we'll have a lot of fun. Oh yeah, we we will have a a ton of fun with Brooks here. I, I'll be able to just kind of sit back in the easy chair and listen to you two. <laughs> Brooks and I have had so many just. I mean, like you say, he's one of my best friends, <clears throat> and we'll we'll tell next week how we met and all that. But we've had some just awesome times together, and we have had some knockdown dragouts because we could, we're both. Um, well, he's way more opinionated and vocal than I am, but we've had some good we've had some good times together. <laughs> I just leave it at that right now. <laughs> Well, we will be back next week. Josh, thank you again. Uh, I've I've enjoyed it. And like I said, Brooks coming on next week. I I figured that baseball was what brought you and Brooks together. So I'll let that story come out next week. Yeah, I I, I just, both of y'all being baseball players, I I thought that that would be kind of how y'all came together. Meridian, I'll say this before we go. Meridian, man, they, back in, they were, they were the elite of the elite, so you must have been a hell of a baseball player. Well, like I said, when I was it came a, to, I was an overachiever. I was, uh, yeah, we were we were really good as a team. I think you know, out of my class of you know twelve or thirteen guys, I think nine played D one, eight eight played D one, and the other three or four of us played uh, you know D two, D three, or NAIA ball. Uh, in that freshman year, we went to you know, the College World Series, Grand Junction, the Junior College World Series. And I think we finished fifth that year, projected really high the next year and just didn't come together. But, yeah, that that was um, from, a, from that was one of the highlights, I guess, of my sports career was getting to play at Meridian. It was a fantastic, still is a really, really good program. Stepping stone for coaches and players uh, to go to the next levels. So that would have put you there, what, late 90s? Early 2000s? Yeah, I graduated high school in 99, so I was there 99, 2000, 01, and 2000 to 01. Yeah, if you wanted to make it to D1, if you wanted to make it to the D1 level, you you prayed for a Meridian uh, Meridian Community College kind of scholarship if you didn't get one, a D1 offer out of high school. You wanted to go improve your skills at Meridian to move on to the next level. That was the school. It was the place. And we had a lot of uh, they call it draft and follows where a kid may get drafted but not sign, uh, might not have gotten the money he wanted. Uh, so then he could then go to a junior college. Uh, it was, it was the, the team still owning the rights to him for drafting him and go there for one year. If they liked what they saw, then, you know, they could go on a sign from there. So we had had some of those too. It was it was a heck of a team, a heck of a group of guys. Josh, thank you again, man. I've enjoyed it. We will you see too. you thank again. You, yeah, we will see you again next week. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast. Powered by DuckSouth.com.